a lot of children's books about death. That's good. Not yep. like fun death, like I was reading, but you know, death. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome to 1999 the podcast. I'm John Brooks. I'm Jen Tisdale. And this is 99 at 25 for the weeks of February the 15th through February the 28th, 1999. And we have some pop culture milestone events um now jen doesn't know what these events are because uh i i i I took most of this one because jen's been busy with other things including her birthday um which of course Uh occupies a great deal of time happy birthday how was your birthday well time we we will be hearing about it a little bit of Mm -hmm. it we're going to be hearing more about it soon in the next episode but i spent it in an adorable town where the Next film was shot, and boy, was it shot there. Every, yeah. Every inch of it unchanged in the past 25 years. Mm-hmm. What I was just reminded of is that its its little city motto is, Berlin, the coolest town in America. And, uh, the coolest town? The coolest it, town no. in America. The coolest. Okay. okay. And, you know, I haven't been to every town in America, but <laughs> it's up there. I've been to a lot of terrible ones, so I, you know. Worst town in America. (laughs) Right (laughs) next. Some would argue that the city right next to it, Ocean City, Maryland, might be a good contender for worst town in America. Not me, though. I'm obsessed with it. And that is no bullshit. And now my person is too. So So you had a a runaway birthday. We had a run, yeah, runaway Berlin, runaway birthday, runaway birth. birth My birth, youth birth. just ran away, ongoing. That's been happening for quite some time. Yeah. Just laced up mm-hmm. its little sneakers and took another step. And I said, yep. okay, "It's fantastic." Mm-hmm. You know, just you know, collagen and eggs in the rearview mirror, and I guess unwanted facial hair and spider veins. Straight ahead, that's mm-hmm. the plan. Mm-hmm. I hope, honey, if you're listening to this, that's attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a sign of wisdom, and uh, wisdom mm-hmm. is attractive. Yes, I'm told by the Greeks. Uh, okay, so February fifteenth, nothing happened, as far as I know. Uh, at least nothing of note. Day after Valentine's Day, everybody's got that <laughs> that Valentine's Day hangover. Uh, February the sixteenth. This is this is nineties noteworthy. Orenthal James Simpson's nineteen sixty eight Heisman <laughs> Trophy. <laughs> Is sold for $230,000 to help settle a $33.5 million civil judgment against Simpson for the deaths of his ex-wife and her friend, Ron Goldman. I hope that helped. (laughs) That's barely a dent. It is hilariously barely a dent. (laughs) I'm I'm surprised he didn't, or maybe he did. You know, the, the classic move is always to immediately file for bankruptcy so that you... Don't have to, you know, Alex Jones did it. Giuliani's did, did it or doing it. And yeah, very surprised. Instead, he just went, I, you know, I I'm not this guy anymore. I've done a lot of things since then. <laughs> but if I'm not wrong, this is the trophy that he got arrested for trying yes. to re-steal, right? Yes. This is what eventually landed him in, I believe, prison for something ridiculous because this woman, I think it's like 30 years or something <laughs> insane like that. Not maybe not 30. That doesn't sound right. But yeah. it was very clear that this judge was making up for. I, I think he got the maximum because this and it was a woman, if memory serves, because she was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> mm. that, he, that, that sentence was 
clearly for something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and now he's on What's Twitter. <laughs> what else? What else could it be? He's on Twitter. He's he's talking about how much he likes Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, no, yeah. good stuff. Good stuff. That... I know. I I wish Vivek Ramaswamy had been around long enough, to, like as a candidate, for people to point out that he got the OJ Simpson endorsement and ask yeah. him about that during a debate. I would say that. Uh, where, where's the camera? Let me look to camera. I would say that hurts. Wink, 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 wink. Is that a deep, mm-hmm. too much of a deep cut? I got wink, it. Wink, wink, That's, wink, wink. Well, it might be a deep cut if you're not as old as us, but I, wink, wink, wink. I, I get that. I get it. <laughs> Look it up. Look it up, kids. Uh, OJ Simpson it. plus Hertz. That's H-E-R-T-Z. Mm-hmm. Have, give it a Google. And um, you will see a bunch of commercials where the person hosting them is very clearly a sociopath. Like yeah. it, it is, he is a cold, icy person who is who is impersonating charm. And it yeah. is very fucking creepy. But it was enough for a hell of a performance in Naked Gun. So, really was. so for that, really was. we forgive him. It really was. And Airplane. My All God. forgiven. Wait, was it Airplane? No, it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Was, well, Leslie was, Nil- was Leslie Nielsen in Airplane, though? He was. Yeah. yeah. He Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's so. the Don't Call Me Shirley? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Shirley. Don't oh, Call Me God. Shirley. He is. I'm getting all over the it's, place. He is. He is. Yes. It's okay. Yeah. I'm there right there with you. We're on this. OK, Simpson is in something else, though, aside from Naked Gun, right? There's something else funny? I don't know. I can Anyways. only remember Naked Gun and again, a stellar performance. This is not a bit. <laughs> he was <laughs> he was fantastic in those anyway. No, he was it was very funny. Um mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, yeah. And apparently that I guess they're gonna re- remake those or trying to remake Okay. Well, I don't wanna I don't wanna go on a fucking tangent, but I yeah. saw another reboot today. It's yeah. Uh gosh, oh gosh, oh gosh, maybe you saw it. It's it's probably on the discussing films Twitter. It uh it doesn't matter, but there is something like and I'm not someone who we've talked about we talk about every time. But now yeah. it's all reboots. Yeah. Uh, we're really getting all reboots and I don't is it because it's cheaper just to buy the rights to an old film? Is it because they're afraid uh that something new won't sell so they're trying to hit nostalgia they I, by they i mean like studios yada yada like what what is happening do we think uh, I, I i mean i think the nostalgia thing is really big with our generation and i mm-hmm. think like that we have we have um like validated oh that John, right? it's it's naked it's naked gun. They're rebooting naked gun. <laughs> right. With Liam Neeson, yes! right? Like Is that what you just right. said? And I just blinked? It is. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. exactly what I said. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. yeah. It is nostalgia. I mean, yeah. yeah, sure. But nostalgia for what? Because it's truly all over the place. Because again, I'm all for this Highlander reboot. Because as we have said, yeah. bad movies that we clearly saw were good and could be yep. better. Do yep. it. Yep. No, no need to remake Naked Gun. Flawless film. In fact, it birthed two more sequels. So that's how good they were, right? Two and then third. Well, three I mean, third. the 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 TV series Police Squad is what birthed all the films, and like they it, that well, then reboot that. Sure, and it's weird. Like, is it because Leslie Nielsen and Liam Neeson have kind of similar names? Like, it, it, what a very strange choice. Yeah, that is strange, that but you know, happen. he was quite. Leslie Nielsen was also a serious actor, and yeah, in yeah. one of my favorite creep show, like the, the the anthology that is Creep Show, Stephen King's, he was the one who ended up burying Ted Danson up to his head in sand until he drowned, and then they came back as a weird seaweed creepy monster. So Leslie Nielsen has range. 
Liam Neeson, he's been funny, but this should be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not funny in the way that Leslie Nielsen is. I don't know. Anyway, I, I, yeah. Like the American psycho thing I can kind of understand because I think there is a, if you, if you make an updated version of it, I think there is a way of taking that basic template and making a critique of now. But also, I'm just like, just fucking like film CPAC. It's the same fucking thing. Like, (laughs) there's there's not a lot of difference, right? I guess one's funnier, but that's that's pretty much it. One more thing on reboots, and I know we got to move on. Is I saw a still. I want it to be fake, but I don't think it is. I saw two stills from the Crow reboot, and I'm not excited. It looks like oh, it looks like Hot Topic. And, and to be fair, the original Crow sort of did too, but the soundtrack yeah. did, did not. But, you know, where that was obviously like goth, this is like industrial, uh, you know, ooh, Skrillex is still my favorite. It's just, I, I hated the images I was seeing. I'm not excited. I'm, I was seeing like a a shirtless Bill Skarsgård covered in very bad tattoos. And I didn't know that FKA Twigs was the, his mm. love of his life. And that's fine too but i'm i'm concerned that we're about to get some like clubby updated weird version why am i concerned i'm not concerned well have you have you read have you read the graphic novel no i am not a graphic novel person not on purpose something about the way it's my brain doesn't it can't do the layouts at all it just can't so so i will say like the one thing that has always been sort of in the back of my mind about the crow remake is that the one way you can justify it, and I kind of get the feeling that's what they're going for, like when they cast Bill Skarsgård, um, and and I'm not, I don't, I'm, I'm sort of hesitant to look at the images so far, but the movie is great, and it is obviously like very like inspired and in the same kind of tone and vein as uh, the the graphic novel, but it is more Alex Proyas than it is James O'Barr, right? Like it is Alex Proyas's kind of like vision of of what the Crow would look like, and it's not like radically different, but there is things about the aesthetic of the of the original of the comic book that I think if you remade it and were more faithful, it would kind of look fundamentally and aesthetically different. And, and there's something to be said there, but if it's just basically a remake of the, of, of Alex Proyas's movie, then it's a waste of time. And well, then, uh, well, if it's, it would make more sense if it was an adaptation of a different version versus a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. I don't want that. So with this yeah. information, then I will go into it with th- those thoughts, thinking, okay, yeah. they're not. Yeah. This is just a different. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, and I do love Skarsgård. This whole Skarsgård family has never been wrong. <laughs> so Yeah. Like, like the, the, the source material certainly leaves a place for a very different film, right? Okay. Like, I think that's what I'm, that's what I'm kind of getting. Was so that... like there is, there is. Was it later? Because I'm obviously the the graphic novel existed before the the 1994 yeah. film, clearly. Yeah. And was that also vaguely set in the 90s, as in like present day when it was written, or did, was it written the like Crow a came out in like or something? I think it was like 89, so it was yeah. like late 80s, early okay. 90s. But it was very close to when the movie came out. Right. Like it was. It was. Yeah. It was not within like decades. It and was, aesthetically, it was did it feel very close to the film? Yeah, except- casting wise, maybe not. If not, doesn't have to necessarily be like costume wise. But does everyone feel? I could I read feel, that. But- I think the the 
the crow movie is more kind of like almost cyberpunk whereas i the 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 graphic novel is much more kind of goth, goth. edward glory sort of like okay. aesthetic right I do so like that. yeah so i you know if they if i mean if they're making if they're making this movie even though a perfect version already exists i have to assume they have something in mind yes there's something like there's the, must be something else cooking and you know as long as they include incredible lines such as uh you can't walk your yeah, dead and i say i dead and i can walk and i'm like you brandon lee stop <laughs> jesus christ walks into a bar hands the bartender three nails and says yep. can you put can me you up for the night? night yep i mean <laughs> you want to talk about from funny to serious and just turn to the come on that we really lost somebody with that one i mean bittersweet i would have gladly oh, given up. Yeah. i would have gladly given up the existence of that motion picture to have brandon lee still with us today even though that is an incredible film mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right sorry tangent continue continue yeah uh i don't where where the hell was i by the way before we move on the movie i was thinking of and has nothing to do with airplane but it is a iconic 70s like like genre film is the towering inferno that's what oj simpson was in aside from aside from naked gun so i was like getting somehow towering towering inferno like disaster movie plus you know um that that genre of comedy made me think he was an airplane yes uh, no, that was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. All right, February the 19th, we have uh, the release of three um, iconic 1999 movies. Jawbreaker. Yes, my favorite of the year. Office Space. The other movie I did on this podcast. I know. Oh my God. Which is funny. It was like you only did February 19th movies. And had you not been the co-host, then you would have had to have come back for October Sky, which is another great movie that Mm. um, we have not gotten to yet. Uh, Yeah, all all interesting. So like one sort of has become a cult classic. One was overlooked at the time because it was horrifically marketed uh and released at the worst possible time and the mm-hmm. studio didn't believe in it and it immediately became like a comedy legend because of comedy central playing it every five seconds mm-hmm. uh, and the other like a movie that should have been frankly in the oscar contention at the end of the year but because it came out in february it was forgotten about by the time yeah. the oscar season rolled and i have no idea why they thought it was a good idea to release october sky in february i would assume because like the biggest star in it was laura dern and the other and star in it was a guy named jake gyllenhaal ba- that baby jake gyllenhaal heard of before yeah. um who's brilliant in that movie and i wonder a, a if film. they tried to get it out because it is quite close to the end of 98 ish and i wonder if there was a push and then they're just like oh fuck it laura dern who is not by not by my definition, my celebrity doppelganger, by many strangers in the world. I don't see it. And I know people always say that, but I don't. I've looked at her face and mine in the mirror numerous times, and we have entirely different noses. But I'll take it. Take it yeah. to the bank. Mm-hmm. Do you have a celebrity person that you get? I'm usually good at this. No, I like sometimes. Okay, so I have a very funny story, actually, about I'm that. I'm excited. Um, so... So, all right, the the ones that sometimes people give me are like Ryan Reynolds and, okay. and, Ryan, Gos- and Ryan Gosling. All the Ryans. I have like similar features in some ways. I'm like nowhere near as in good shape as those people are, nor have the like, you know, um, Hollywood refined features of those people. But uh, when I when I was in my 20s, I did look 
quite a bit like a famous person who was also oh. like when they were younger. So like neither of us really look like the same person now, but here's the story. Okay. So <laughs> I'm, wa- <laughs> I'm walking to work once. And like, this was not the first time I heard somebody say this to me, right? But okay. uh, it was just the funniest instance of it. So I'm walking to work. I used to work um, at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City. And uh, I, I, I sometimes would walk... I would take the train from where I live to like the uh, northwest corner of Central Park and just walk up the hill to Morningside Heights. And and so um, that was like the easiest train ride, but like the longest walk. And uh, mm-hmm. one morning I, I am it's like fairly early. It was like probably seven o'clock in the morning or something. And there's these I'm, I'm walking up like one of the one of the streets it's like a few blo- avenue blocks away i'm walking up one of the streets and there's these two guys sitting outside on their stoop and they're like smoking cigarettes or something and they're two like pretty big intimidating dudes right and they as soon as i start like w- once i like get to their block they are just like sort of whispering to each other and like staring at me the entire time and i'm like well, this is kind of weird. I'm like, I can't like, I'm not gonna like turn around, like go up a different block. I'm just gonna, I'm like, I'm keeping walking. I'm just kind of hoping they're like not gonna stare at me anymore. But like every time I look up, like sure enough, they are just like sort of, you know, whispering something to each other and staring at me. And I'm like, am I about to get murdered? Like, I, I don't know what's gonna happen here. Like, I don't have any money. So if they're trying to rob me, like that's not gonna be- Give them your disc, man. So yeah, I, uh, I think I might have had. I think at that point I might have had like the spinny wheel iPod, but mm. um, I definitely was listening to something because I was trying to pretend like I didn't notice that they were staring yeah. at me. Right, so I walk by and I find like get to basically where they are and I just sort of mosey right by them and their eyes just like follow me as I'm, I can tell, like as I'm going by them. And then I get a little past where they're sitting. And then one of them goes, Yo, Ben Affleck! And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm not Ben Affleck. Go uh, I laughed my ass off. Oh. I was like relieved and I thought it was hilarious. And they're like, I thought you were him. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not. Oh my like, God. You really thought you were him. And I, yeah, no, you um, should have, I, like, I would have posed for photos. They signed. were spending, they were spending minutes discussing whether or not I was Ben Affleck. And then Sign one of it. them, one of them had decided enough. He had enough information that I definitely was Ben Affleck to yell yo Ben Affleck at me. Oh, I and wish their that disappointment. you disappointment. When I wasn't Ben Affleck was uh, was really upsetting. So at this point, I had like a goatee. My hair was very much like what Ben Affleck's was. There was a period when Ben Affleck and I like had the same look, and I could totally see how somebody would make. I that. wish you would like somewhere. Two guys could have had pieces of paper that said, "Thanks for watching, Chase and Amy." <laughs> ben Affleck. I'm pretty sure like Geely. This was like around the time oh, of Geely. No. Gobble gobble. I think he was still with J Lo at the time. Oh, so like. Look, someone looked looked at me and was like, "That guy could be dating JLo, which is, you know, that's not that's not nothing. That's not yeah. nothing. Anyways, God, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
so anyway, big day at the movies, February the 19th. Uh, February the 20th, uh, sad day for the movies. So from the New York Times obituary, Gene Siskel, the slighter intense half of the popular Siskel and Ebert team of dueling movie reviewers, died yesterday at a hospital near his home in Chicago two weeks after leaving the long-running syndicated television <gasps> program two for further weeks. recuperation Yeah, from brain surgery last May. He was 53 when with his portly partner, Roger, which I well, think is a weird, oh, weird, God. weird thing to God say damn, there in New York the, Times, God, but okay. Damn, the 90s hey, were unforgiving. Hey, alliteration, uh, Roger Ebert <laughs> has made their signature thumbs up or down verdicts a powerful influence over a movie's success or failure until Mr. Siskel, the movie reviewer for the Chicago Tribune, and Mr. Ebert, the critic for the Chicago Sun-Times, were paired for a local public television program opening soon at a theater near you in 1975. Film critics, for all the intellectual pretensions of some and the safe, sure judgments of others, had little sway over a movie's fate. That was partly because most reviewers had largely local followings and partly because huge Hollywood advertising and promotion campaigns could override even negative national reviews. But the crackling on-air chemistry between Siskel and Mr. Ebert, their sometimes spirited, even caustic disagreements, and ultimately their opinions that consistently reflected broad public tastes quickly made them such powerful persuaders that movie ads routinely included their thumbs up endorsements um so his last published uh review gene siskel's was she's all that uh just a few weeks earlier could be worse could be quite a bit so he gave it a very charming warm review and uh that was the last thing that he published did you grow up on siskel and ebert um i did not and i didn't read I don't recall reading newspapers when I was younger, but I also, <laughs> well, hold on. I also have a terrible memory and have forgotten sure. most of my childhood. It wasn't great. So my brain just, you know, yeah. put that, put those memories, good and bad somewhere else. So it's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did work at a movie theater in high school. So, you know, I yeah. am obviously a person who enjoys the cinema. Uh, but I'm also someone who the only time I will look at reviews of things yeah, is Amazon and food. I find that because most critics, less so nowadays than ever before, are straight white men, that I'm mm. really going to be like aligned with their opinions, even if mm-hmm. I kind of am. Uh, and I don't want to be that person that's like, I don't know, it's just this shit. That's not it. But it's just like. You know, if if the large percentage of film reviewers are this one section of the population, I can't very well see them speaking for me anyway. And all sure. uh, something, something, something subjective, something. That was a longer answer than yeah. you did. But I don't think I don't think I really. I mean, Siskel and Ebert liking a movie. I don't think I really cared either way. I was always interested when one of them liked a movie, especially one that was not very well liked by other people and like had something sort of passionate to say about it. I always found that pretty charming and interesting. I think for me, what I loved about Siskel and Ebert was that it was like because their relationship was so authentic and because like they often fought and yeah. but, like, and, uh, and were like rivals, but also like genuinely liked each other and were also colleagues. It's, it was a very weird relationship and it just sort of was like really cool to see that unfiltered. And the way they did the show was like, they would let them just go at each other yeah. when they felt like going at each other, but they could be really like warm and charming with each other. And it just kind of reminded me of like arguing about movies with my friends. And like, that's what, that's what was so appealing about it, right? It was like 
it was less about the film critique, which was, I mean, you know, I was into movies or whatever, and like that was fun, but it was more just like the sheer magic of just watching these two people who just like love movies and love arguing and like loved each other. (laughs) Just like seeing it was such an institution and it was just something that made me love movies even more and, was it uh, broadcast everywhere or was it yeah it was just syndicated like wgn something and no in the it was tri- a syndicated show it, it it was on pbs at first but then they moved to syndication and then it was like uh in every market so they were they, the show was nationwide you know, on the weekends uh, television watching again like we we uh, I'm, i won't speak for all of us but i feel like you know, I both watched more and less television than ever before. So uh, I remember watching a lot of uh, Turner classic movies with my yeah. grandmother. I spent a lot of time mm-hmm. at my grandmother's house. So there was a lot of that. And then eventually Nick at night, which is where I was like, I watched a lot of, I love Lucy, not on Nick at night, of course. And then a lot of bewitched and I dream of Jeannie and mm-hmm. those yep. sorts of things. But I don't yep. recall yeah. And then, of course, when I was younger, I watched PBS because that's where Mr. Rogers was. <laughs> yep. But uh, no, is this Colin Hebert? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen clips. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're they're all on YouTube. And there's some like there's c- compilations of like yeah. the biggest Siskel and Ebert fights on YouTube. And like, it's so fun because they really do get like really snippy with each other. Yeah. But like the reason that that works is because you know that their friendship was like very authentic yes. and at at the end of the day like they could really fucking go at each other and like that's great i mean it's just wonderful to see that like that's what made it revolutionary television i think and and i think what part of like made being a film critic cool was mm-hmm. the idea that you could just be like a real person and have this kind of you know, very um, sort of sparring relationship with your reader, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, I started reading a lot of individual film critics that I just liked how they wrote and what they said, and I would like sometimes disagree with them, and like I always found that fun as well. I've never really sort of, you know, bound my opinion of a movie to critics' reviews. Yeah. I think critics are often right, like on the whole, right? Like I, I think that there is something to be said there, but when. Like my favorite movies tend to be the ones that have like a 50% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And like the 50% is like people who fucking love it and people Mm -hmm. who are like, this is goddamn terrible. That's like almost always my favorite movie because um, I love I love movies that, you know, sort of like create that passionate uh, division. Um, So... Anyhow, um, I highly recommend our friend Brian Raftery's uh, Gene and Roger podcast, which is a, a short um, uh, miniseries podcast about Roger, uh, Siskel and Ebert and how they how they got together and their relationship. And it's incredibly moving. And it's the only podcast so far in my life that has actually made me cry uh, while listening to it. So oh, wow. um, if you've not listened to that, go check it out. It is a wonderful story of like two really pretty awesome human beings uh february 23rd uh skipping ahead we're gonna go back for a second but i just want to skip ahead because uh a few days after the death of gene siskel uh austin smith in the new york post uh published the following would you pay to see abbott without costello 
Of course you wouldn't. The act was known as Abbott and Costello. Without one of them, it's no longer an act. The same thing goes for Siskel and Ebert. In the wake of Gene Siskel's death on Saturday, Roger Ebert and the show's producers have been talking about continuing without Gene. One scenario has them trying out other critics to sit across the aisle from Roger, which, spoiler alert, is exactly what they did. Well, here's a big thumbs down to that idea. No offense to Ebert, but the name of the show is Siskel and Ebert, not guest reviewer and Ebert. This may seem obvious to everyone, but the folks who produce and syndicate the show, but without Siskel, there's no Siskel. How many times is he going to say this? There's no Siskel and Ebert. And make no mistake, the ratings will fall without Gene. It would be a shame to let that happen. So here's this guy being like, cancel the show. You can't just have Ebert and some other guy. It's not going to work. Um, so in fact, what happened was, uh, Roger Ebert, uh, at the movies was the name of the show. Yes, I, I do. Think, I do know that. Right? I think I was more familiar with Roger Ebert at the movies than obviously. And so, and so Ebert. there was a rotating cast of guests like AO Scott was one of them for a while. They, they, they tried a bunch of different people. The person that they settled on pretty quickly though, was Richard Roper who would go on to Ebert be. Ebert and Roper. Ebert and Roper. Now yep. that I'm even more familiar with. Mm-hmm. So yes, yes, yes. And Richard Roper was pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a good rapport with 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 uh, Roger Ebert. Um, they didn't spar anywhere near as much. It, it didn't have the same sort of charm, but it was uh, they had a good chemistry together. And he stayed on the show until 2008. And of course, Roger Ebert would then go on to die himself uh, a few years after. But I just thought I thought it was really funny because this guy is basically predicting exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But also really mad about it. <laughs> Sounds like that was written by a certain USA Today columnist. Uh-huh. Who... <laughs> shall shall be revealed at a yes. later date. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, Austin Smith. Um, okay, so let's see. Well, you know, something else happened on that day, John. And a certain young lady sitting across from you on the screen turned 19 that day. That's... That's right. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what I did because I just got to Los Angeles and I knew no one. And I was living in a weird hostel, but <laughs> I'm sure I had a did great you time. Know, did you know your 19th birthday was a banger day for music? And then we'll get to that. God, I thought you were going to say for but... death. So I was like, probably. No. no I what really else? have. Aside from Siskel, I don't really have any death here, but uh, February 23rd, we got two things of note. Uh, British TV drama Queer as Folk, written by Russell T. Davies, starring mm. Aidan Gillen, Greg Kelly, and Charlie Hunnam of uh, the Motorcycle Gang fa- uh, fame. What's the name of that fucking show? Hells or something or Sons. Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. That's the one. I'm cool. Premieres on Channel 4. Uh, groundbreaking LGBTQ plus representation on ye old television and this is i think before the l word this is like really yeah but wasn't there what was the other show that was here ellen (laughs) no oh god it was a straight comic from the 90s and he had the soul patch and it was the gay show from the 90s i think it was on show oh hal sparks oh my god the the way that i oh the way that i know but hal sparks was the american queer as that's what i'm saying so that's what that was that's what i thought okay yeah so the american queer as folk i watched okay so queer as folk uk was the original thank you the american one i did watch so, the. Yes, i mean was. obviously channel four wasn't available to us we did not have no <laughs> so i got to watch the american version so yes yeah. it was quite it was quite groundbreaking it was um so in music uh so we have first of all tlc's fan mail uh mm-hmm. sleater kinney's the hot rock and the roots things fall apart all come out on the same day february 23rd 
1999, but even more so, hip-hop artist Eminem releases his first major record uh, record album, the Slim Shady LP, uh, which won the Grammy for rap album in 2000 uh, and was gajolty gu- 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 millions, lots of platinums, big. many platinums. Very, very big. Multi, multi, multi platinum. Very, very Multi-pass. Big. Lilo Dallas. Uh, my, my name is uh, the single from... Uh, Slim Shady LP was released a month earlier and was all over the place and absolutely huge. But this album was one of the albums of 1999 and maybe not even as big as his next album um, would end up being the Marshall Mathers LP. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, boy. So I did the math and realized that like the Slim Shady LP is uh so the slim shady lp is now as old as jolene was uh when the slim shady lp came out so that puts it into perspective oh. uh rap is officially 50 years old now so oh. uh, this, was, this was the midway point <laughs> oh no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> this is awful feeling <sighs> What was your uh, what was your relationship with Eminem in in '99? I mean, I think I had the standard. Again, my time in Los Angeles was very strange. Yeah. So you know, I didn't uh, have a television, and the one I did just had like a VCR attached to it. Like I said, watched that Wayne's World VHS tape every day. Didn't really listen to music on the radio because I I was, I was, it sounds like I'm about to be like, I was always out with my friends. I was so busy, but I was always out with people. It was 1999. That's what you did. You left your house a lot. So I listened to it when it perchance came on the radio and it was at a weird Mm -hmm. club. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's that. But it was everywhere as, as those things tended to be when the radio, terrestrial radio was a thing yeah. still you just heard it snatches in the breeze out of car windows out of shops just somewhere that was my yeah. relationship the, my name is didn't do a ton for me I, I i thought it was a little silly um but i definitely could 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 see where the talent was mm-hmm. and that like eminem was obviously a new talent uh i was much more impressed with like stan um yes. you know and the, and the way that like dido played that was really interesting uh, the idea of like using a con- like a, a contemporaneous song as like a sample i thought was really cool that there's like this that song came out within like months mm-hmm. of stan um so instead of like going back well into the archives as rappers had often done like eminem and uh and dre were were using like very yeah. contemporary stuff uh, which was a really interesting approach. Um, for me, it was when uh, the Eminem show came out, where I was like, "Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> like this, this is incredible!" Yeah, and then of course, um, when Eight Mile happened, and it Eight was Mile. like it was, yeah. it was, it was go time. And I also do yeah. think that even though I was nineteen in nineteen ninety nine, and that is very young, he did tend to skew towards like goofy teenage boys four or five yeah. four or five years younger than me like 13 14 15 mm-hmm. so he's older than me of course so i don't know how that happened but his music was always like a little bit like a few years younger than me still good yeah still loved it but yeah lots of teens yeah. were were quoting eminem in yeah. those years rightfully mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I think they had a lot of like I think a lot of the immaturity of the earlier stuff was that there was a lot of like really shitty music that he was sort of lampooning. Yeah, um, but then also kind of like weirdly fitting into at the same time. Like a lot of he would you know shit on things like Limp Biscuit, but also like the kids who listen to Limp Biscuit also listen to Eminem for sure. Yeah. So it was they a little were bit of a not weird, listening like... to Moby, so that was fine. Yeah. fine. The, <laughs> Eminem's feelings about Moby were fine by them. Only Natalie Portman was listening Honey, to Moby at the not, time. Sounds like not by choice sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> not great for her. Boy, that's a weird story. All right. Anyway, uh, February the 24th, the 41st annual Grammy Awards uh, happen. And the two big winners of the night were the song that would never go away in 1998, My Heart Will Go On, love theme from Titanic, which won 8 million awards. And the other big winner is Lauren Hill in this education mm. of Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill becomes the first female artist to win five Grammys in a single night. Now that uh, album I listened to on heavy rotation. Yeah. yeah, that album's amazing. Heavy, heavy, heavy. That one, yes. Yeah. There are three good Fuji's album. Uh, the first Fuji's album, Lauren Hill's album, yep. and Wyclef's album. That's correct. Marvel. That's correct. <laughs> if they ever do some sort of like, we've released these vinyls, this 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 vinyl yeah. set, I'd be like, yeah, put them all in there because that's what I wanted. I don't want to have those three Fugees. albums. Yep. Those are the three albums right. that matter to me. Incredible. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, she did, like a lot of people, something, something taxes, something, something taxes. I guess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, something, something taxes. Whereas Wyclef is like something, something uh, grifting all of Haiti. He's not playing the not flute. Good. Who am I thinking of? Not listening. Oh, no. That's, that's Who's not Who's playing Wyclef. the flute? That's Andre 3000. Thank you that's, so much. Um, Same outcast. era. Yeah. Sorry. Same era. Sorry. Same era. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, sorry, everybody. Same era. Guy. No, Wyclef is a bad fucking person. Like, he's a really bad person. Uh, but Lauren Hill is just sort of mis- Mis- misguided. Miseducated. <laughs> you might say. Yeah. And Wyclef will and be like, gone. And like, Roz is also a little bit of a grifter, but like he's the just, least grifty just, of them, but also the least talented. Just quietly so, somewhere. Know. We don't know where. There is that. Um, Gone till November. You know, Superstar's a banger. You know, that's a good song. That's Proz. Mm. But uh, yes, uh, the podcast uh, Fraudsters did a mm -hmm. three-part series on each of the Fugees. And uh, boy, woof. <laughs> It is. Yikes. Yeah. They, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting stuff. But um, love Lauren Hill's music and that album is amazing. Uh, so the Grammys actually got something right mm -hmm. that year for a change, which is pretty uncommon. February 25th. Back to British television, British chef Gordon Ramsay comes to prominence, appearing in the TV documentary Boiling Point, detailing the opening of, a, of restaurant Gordon Ramsay. So he, uh, this is when the Gordon Ramsay is the guy who does the chef things on your television. Uh, the 25 years of that begins. Uh, Happy to see night. it. Happy to see it. I love, love Gordon Ramsay. I love watching him. He's the best. He is the, the best. Yeah. Um, I love the British versions of his shows, too, mm -hmm. because they're just so much more like like stripped down yep. like he, he's doing a lot less of the character which i which i always kind of appreciate i like the character because he's not being Ramsey. produced by psychotic american yeah. television reality show horrors. he gets to just be himself yeah. yeah uh the english version of kitchen nightmares is just like really charming and weird and profane and great uh what's the is there uh, a different english word for kitchen do they still no. say kitchen mm. yeah 
I was gonna give it's it a. Job. I was gonna give it a British twist, like <laughs> cook, cookery, um, the, buffoonery, the cookery, the cookery buffoonery. No, I think I don't it's, know. it's been kitchen since like the Middle Ages. <laughs> I, I wanted there to be a British word so it could be just like cookery buffoonery, and I'm like, that's right. I can't even think of a British. Like, I can't think of one. The, the seems like there the would pantry. be pantry. I don't know. Pantry poopoos. No, we don't. Pantry poopoos. Pantry poopoos yes. with Gordon Ramsay. That's that's. Are you listen? Mm. Are you listening? out there channel four or bbc yeah. pantry poopoos got a reboot <laughs> liam neeson playing gordon ramsay god yes pantry i've got poo-poos. a specific set of skillets <laughs> so sorry <laughs> sorry uh. <laughs> oh february the 26th we got four movies uh that came out of note just the ticket starring andy mcdowell and andy garcia the, it, the andes andy. andy to andy <laughs> somebody said get me the andes and they didn't they mean the mountains andes they for this didn't, one they didn't mean the mountains this isn't a live uh the tagline for that is uh there's two andes but no script oh yeah it's a bad movie uh, but I mean, two people with charm to spare, especially 25 years ago and worth it just to just watch them be on screen for a couple hours. True. I've not, I've never yeah. even heard of this picture. Did you cover it already? Should we do it? No, we have not. We have not covered it. Um, we could, we could. Is it a rom-com? I, is it a rom it com it, it's, it's a romance. Mm. It's, it's less commie. Mm. It's kind of commie. It's Rami. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Gary Marshall's other movie of the year, The Other Sister, of which I'm oh, about to read something. Golly. <laughs> so, hold that. Just hold it. Hold it. Yes, I know. I know. We should do that, I think. Like, let's do that right after we do, like, um, uh, Girl Interrupted. I think that'd be a good, a good a double feature. A palate cleanser? Sure. <laughs> uh, the... Nicholas Cage snuff film film eight millimeter. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. February twenty-sixth. <laughs> and the most ridiculous and just mind-blowingly we talked about the stupidness of the release date of October Sky. Twenty February twenty-sixth, two hundred cigarettes, a movie about <sighs> New Year's fucking Eve. I don't get it. Something went wrong. Something went yeah. wrong. I love that movie. Yeah. But it was yeah. like also very much like it was one of those movies where I, I remember thinking this there the eighties feel like costumes here, but the eighties also felt like costumes here. Wasn't it set in the eighties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was set in the eighties, right? It was. Okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But it was um, like like an early ensemble cast where you're like, Oh, I've got to get in this because every single it nineteen ninety nine actor is in this motion picture and up and coming. And then yeah, weirdly I, the, like yes. Martha Plimpton? Maybe she... Martha Plimpton is like the star. Yeah. She's the, she's like the star. It's her party. <laughs> no one's coming party. to. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah. 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 I think both are both Afflecks, maybe. At least at least the case. Casey's definitely in it. Um, I feel like it's both. I don't know. There's a lot of Well, you're you ask yourself. John, were you um, in that movie? <laughs> yeah, both Afflecks. It is both yeah. I was right. Both Afflecks. Yeah. Uh, Dave Chappelle, boo. Oh, uh, Elvis Costello, fantastic. Janine Garofalo, Gabby Hoffman, Kate Hudson. I mean, uh, yeah, Ridic- Courtney Love, yep. of course. Yeah, um, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's it, 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 like, wait, does no? I'm thinking of something else for a second in my mind. Paul Rudd, Christina Ricci, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, I was right. Paul Rudd. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, tons of people. Yeah. 
you you know your studio has given up on your movie when like <laughs> the the only release date that makes sense are like yeah we'll give it another month and a half or two months. God, that sucks. They must have had no they had no faith in it. Yeah, it got ter- like horrible reviews. Yeah, so uh mm-hmm. makes sense um anyway another pretty interesting day at the movies uh we have we have not covered uh most of those movies well i'm available <laughs> so um they're down the pipeline i think once we get to the other sister season oh my we god are in, i we are in a we are in a weird place that's, emotionally. that's a difficult one because it's mm-hmm. pretty it's something it's gilbert graping all over the place just graping around um, so I'm going to read the most astonishing thing. I couldn't actually believe I was reading these words um, about the other sister in February the 28th. Uh, someone named Thelma Adams writing for the New York Post. This is an excerpt from her review of the other sister. The other sister begs the question, which is worse, having a daughter who's gay or one who's 24 years old with an IQ of 50? Oh, no, that no one asked that question at any point. <laughs> To be fair, that kind of is the question that the movie is asking. Uh, Following this romantic comedy's logic, the answer is the gay daughter, since she deprives her mother the pleasure of planning a white wedding. In the patently absurd sister, being mentally challenged is no handicap. It's like being Italian or Jewish or any other ethnicity that talks with its hands and argues in public. Uh Uh-oh, is that what it is? Okay. (laughs) I'm like... What am I reading? <laughs> and that's how you know where you're from. <laughs> this person took this movie that is like offensively misguided yeah. and is like, eh, I'm going to double down on that. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> this gives me the license to write all this fucking shit. <laughs> 1999 was crazy. <laughs> hey, man, the world might be about to end in 10 months. So, you know, yeah. smoke them if you got them. As as they say, write 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 that review of the other sister that you always wanted to write, Thelma Adams. Oh you know, God. now's the time. You never know what Y two K is going to bring. All right, finally, I teased this to you the other night uh, off off mic, but February the twenty seventh, the New York Times post uh, published the 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 boomerist letter to the editor. Oh boy, the world has ever seen. Oh boy. Uh, titled Is the Internet Dumbing Us Down by a guy named Michael Duchesne from Ann Arbor, Michigan, because of course he's from Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, to the editor. A February 20th Arts and Ideas Pages article on the internet's effect on language failed to bring the potential negative and positive consequences to their logical conclusion. The widespread acceptance of informal dialogue on the internet is creating a generation of Americans fluent in unrefined, inexpressive, and immature English. Much as certain dialects of English have helped create subclasses of second-class citizens, oh. frequent internet oh, hold oh. on <laughs> frequent internet users are becoming easier to pick out every day. They blurt out thoughts in staccato, almost barbarian fragments. Elegant grammar is beside the point. Complete sentences are rare enough. Michael Duchesne, Ann Arbor, Michigan, February the twenty-third, nineteen ninety-nine. This motherfucker's problem with the internet is it's making kids talk dumb. Yeah. And I'm like It's just different slang, buddy. Don't get What? You, gotta, the fuck you have is to wrong with you. you gotta remember your groovy, groovy roots. 
Yeah. My guy, you were definitely <sighs> saying weird things, something cat, I, cats, cats. So, so I'm on the one hand, I'm on the one hand delighted with the idea of 25 years ago, Michael Duchesne walking down the street and being like, well, there's an internet user, you know, like. You hear the way those kids are talking? Bet they're on the internet a bunch. Did that guy um, say dot com? You've got to be <laughs> dot kidding me. They That kid just blurted out thoughts in staccato, almost barbarian fragments. Um, I mean, it was whoa. probably a child without a fully formed language. <laughs> yeah. So when I when I told you about this, I was like, so this is a letter about how the internet's making us dumb. You're like, well, that's probably true. And I'm like, no, 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 wait till oh, you hear yeah. what he's I was wrong. <laughs> I hear mean, in many ways <laughs> it is, but not in this particular way. And for one second, no. what I thought he was also alluding to was how can I say this? <laughs> when he said creating second class citizens, I thought I was being racist. Yeah. I, I think he kind of is, is a little is. bit okay, like, yeah, he's like too. saying. I was like, is he talking yeah. about? Yeah. That was the yes. time called, was it called Ebonics? It was at the time called Ebonics. And now yeah. it's AAV. AAV. African vernacular. English. English, thank you very much. Yeah. So that's why I went, whoop. Yeah, he's like, should I write Ebonics? Is that going to be too racist? But like, obviously, that's that's what he. Even the word Ebonics sounds like an internet word. English dialects have created subclasses of second classes. I mean, this man. Where's he now? Michael, where are you now, Michael Duchesne? He's still in Ann Arbor. I know he's still. He is. He might be dead. He sounds like he's seventy. He'd be ninety-five. I mean, there are so many reasons to hate the internet. So many. This is not one of them. That's not one of them. And and also, like, I will. So okay, I will also like justify the like the the way that we write English changes. There's a lot of actual like linguists who are like we should actually write more phonetically it makes sense sure. we you know that we hang on to so many of these like inherited spellings from you know middle english to now and the thing is like you and i text a lot like we don't use a lot of i mean i write in i'm full usually typing full out text. because we're both old right Com- we're both old. I never use like the num- letter U. No, commas I, like, are going I, yeah. in there's a period yeah. does this does 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 he want us to start Bringing back like one that opera and the shore Sota that dropped of March and person to the Roca. <laughs> His buddy uh, was yeah. certainly not speaking like the Canterbury Tales anymore. So it stands to reason no. that, you know, he just, he's so myopic that he thinks that this current day 1999 language is the language. I'm like, babe, yeah, no, we weren't even doing that like a, a hundred years ago, 200 years ago. Silly. I do like I I kind of I think at a certain point I was also thinking like oh you know we we may be heading to a point where like text language is becoming acceptable like I there was a time when it's it's sort of come and gone now but like the a lot of my students didn't understand the difference between like text language and and written language, and like they would in a paper write like the letter U for the word U. No, um, no, that's now that I'm 
Uh-oh, I'm, am I, but it I'm came updated? and went like it was it was a moment it was a moment where that was so commonplace that it was kind of colliding mm-hmm. with where they were academically um and it's sort of it's bypassed now like it's been sort do of you, snuffed out by a generation of teachers do they but. write a lot or is everything typed are they taking notes typing mostly are they handwriting yeah it's they're, it, they're, well some of them some of them clickety can, clacking like, on a laptop in class clickety clacking most most of the time yeah yeah I get that, but like it's not i get that that's not fast I get that that's faster, but I think we both know that there's actual proven connect. Like your memory is better when you hand when you write it down. Like there's that's proven. That's just a fact. So I'm very interested in this idea that at the very least, like kids aren't handwriting notes anymore. Is that are we worried about? I know we're not worried about carpal tunnel. I know that's I not- I do in all my classes I have always some handwriting port. Okay. Like there, there there are assignments that like are handwritten because I really think about uh, how how beautiful my grandmother and my mother's handwriting is and mine's yeah. mine's okay mine's good yeah, mine's, okay. mine's great but moving forward I I'm like I gotta get my eyes on some modern day handwriting uh, and see like <laughs> just how, what what's going on and I maybe we talked about this already I I can't stop talking uh, thinking about talking about how they don't teach cursive anymore and yeah. that they don't know how to read cursive they just don't they don't it's yeah, but it's not necessary. I, I mean, it, it's, it, it, it's, cursive, it's cursive lovely. was utilitarian, and now it's not. It like it was never something that was done because it was lovely. It was done because it was utilitarian. I understand now, that, but now, well, it's, but it's now not. it's beautiful, like calligraphy. I know. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, or like te- vinyl records. They're not even teaching yeah. them like, okay, fine, we're not going to teach you the, the whole alphabet. Here's how you can sign your specific name. Sure. Because not sure. everything's going to be a digital. At some point, you're going to need a signature somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. So I guess I'm going to write a letter to some editor <laughs> about cursive. I don't know. I don't, I'm very, I'm, I'm. You never think you're going to become your parents or whatever. Not that my mother complains about things, but there are things where I'm like, ah, fucking kids are dumb. They're, they're so stupid. Their, their, their thoughts yeah. are wrong and what they're saying is silly. <laughs> I, I, I just, I think what I, what I find aside from the dickishness of this, of this, um, of this letter and, and, and a lot of the like, well, that's not a thing that's ever happened to you where he's like, I can just hear the internet users around. Like, no, no one's ever said that. That's not a thing. Um, not I think what is most leave your house, David, which I'm sure you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, Michael. Oh, is it? Um, David. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't I have no idea, but I I don't know. But but I I I think what's most interesting is like what he is most afraid of. This idea of like unrefined and expressive and immature. Like I don't find that at all. Like I I you know it's different English, but it's as expressive, right? Like you know R O F L whatever mm-hmm. man. You know it's it's yeah, still I'm siding it's still with I'm siding with Michael on this one. I, really? Yeah, I kind of am. You think the language is less expressive now? I do. Really? I think it's uh, it's it's and it's it's only because of of what I'm used to and and the time I grew up in which was not that long ago everybody. But, you know, I I don't want somebody to like say out loud to me ROFL. I'm like, "Why? Usually you're doing that to save yourself." Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, saying it out loud is just I mean, it's, there's like an irony to but, saying it out loud, but it, sure, but in terms but of like people the people are part. bringing some things into and I'm like, "Don't do that." Like there's a reason yeah. why it lives in your phone cuz you don't want to type out rolling out right. long, but I don't want it to get ridiculous so that I do feel like I'm just like hanging out with TikToks. That gives me anxiety. 
I am sort of, I'd love to hear like what a, what a linguist thinks about this, but I am sort of really fascinated by the way, like the extent that certain generations of people can express themselves through emojis. And like, I don't mean that, I don't mean that sarcastically. Like I'm really, it's pretty amazing to me that like someone can like write a sentence in emojis and I'm like, that's kind of cool. Like you are skipping a whole bunch of, right? Like it's, 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 it's like a puzzle. It requires a bit of of puzzling out now. Uh, on the other side of that, like if an older person, older than me, uses an emoji, I go, oh, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I don't use emojis except like I use I use the faces and the hearts, I, and that's it. I like to use the melting guy. This is the me. melting guy. I like the or the guy. upside down. Like well, I guess we the upside down guy's great, and then sunglasses. I like him, yes, <laughs> but. The upside down guy just says everything just, that you can't really, possibly put in words. Or if I'm being like really, sh- if I'm if I'm really being shitty to somebody, and like yeah. uh, every once in a while, I will say something to a stranger on the internet. I don't want to. It's usually around my period, and I say something mm-hmm. shitty, and I'll and I'll end it with the um, you know, blowing kiss heart thing. Like, I'm like Wait, yeah, oh, that's, mm, and they don't like yeah. that, and that's why I do it. No, mm-hmm. that's 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 sharp. And then you just yeah, I respond as you watch them. You're. <laughs> notification you're like no, no, no. <laughs> i limit myself to the faces and the hearts and the thumbs ups and that's pretty much as far as i go i'm not in uh eggplant town you know that's no I, no I, that's that's very silly or like the a whole... peach <laughs> uh, that stuff god we sound old i sound old i'm happy to happy to be old happy, yeah. hey you know happy to be old yep. and what i was gonna say 14 hours ago was i don't know where Siskel's buried, but do you think he has a thumbs up? It just says birth, thumbs up, death, <laughs> thumbs down. Wait, where who's buried? Siskel. <laughs> this is a joke I thought of an hour ago that I hoped his, his headstone was like birth, thumbs up, death, thumbs down. <laughs> I'm, I used to jokingly say that next to my death date, I was going to write the words felt or birth date, felt cute, death date, deleted later. <laughs> Yeah, or I'm going to be one of those people that puts a whole recipe on their headstone like they used to do. And like the, you can do that. You'll find like recipes with full on headstone, like full on recipes and carved like, into them. What Pre- war you died in. Um, Just my own personal see. one, probably. One I yeah. created for myself, undoubtedly. It seems like his the, his grave or maybe even Roger Ebert's, unless they were, of course, cremated and are living in a house somewhere, like would be yeah. a place that they would want people to be able to visit because I do feel like people would want yeah. to visit their graves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they are in the um, Chicago area. Maybe he's not from there. He has a very he has a very simple like gravestone uh, that just says loving husband and treasured soul, devoted father, brother and son. And it's got a star of David on it and something in Hebrew. Mm. Okay. Um, well, but uh, I guess, yeah. yeah. And it says, "Blessed is one who lived with a good name." So there you go. Mm, okay. Uh, my- but I can't find Roger Ebert's gravestone, so I can't tell you what's on that. Mm. Maybe he doesn't have one. Maybe he was shot into into space. Yeah. Which seems like something that Roger Ebert would uh, would like. The alien, <laughs> the aliens would be to like. What's on this album? And what's in this box? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Ooh, two thumbs up. Hey, that's good. Um, yeah, yeah. What's this? What's this? what's mm. going on here? All right, that's it. We are we are through the month of February and yes, uh, head 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 and into March. I'm ready. I'm ready too. Uh, go listen to Eminem. Yep, and go watch October Sky. And um, we'll be back shortly with Runaway Bride. Never, Never coming back. back. <laughs> 
run, run away on a something. I they really should have done like a, a redone the lyrics of that and done like a wedding themed uh, version. It would have been so good for Collective Soul to have their. They were still other, they were their, still doing it then because they were big in ninety eight. Yeah, nobody was listening. Winona Ryder probably was. She that's and David Perner dated. That's true. And then Claire Danes was in that one video of the other song that was pretty big, but mm-hmm. not not Runaway. What was the song? And then Courtney Cox was in Long December and there's reason No, to but that's leave. Counting Crows. No, I that's thought we different. were just going through a- actresses and <laughs> music videos. <laughs> Are we not? And didn't Winona Ryder also date... Uh, Duritz, possibly. Didn't he did everybody. He was very. I think he dated everybody once. He, he dated two friends very at busy. least. Did both Aniston and uh, Cox. And Cox. Somebody yeah. I heard this recently, and I couldn't tell you when. Whispered where? How? Whispered on the winds that his uh, dreads were fake. No, I, I don't want to believe it. <laughs> Not. I will say yeah. that. He is the interview subject on an episode about, I think it's the dark side of the 90s mm. on Hulu. I can't remember, but it's about the Viper Room oh, where he would occasionally bartend. <gasps> was he there and that night? I think he was. Ooh. But Adam, they don't really tell you who he is when he's the talking head at the beginning. And you're like, who's this fat old Jewish guy? And then he's like, so I was in a band called Kind of Gross. I'm like, what? I mean, to say it like that. (laughs) Do you think the producer was like, like, he looks like a dude from Chicago that was just talking about the Viper Room for some reason. And he's like, I'm the guy from Counting Crows. I'm like, you the fuck are not the guy from Counting Crows. That's not, that's not The producers were like, so Adam, you look a little different. No judgment. Yeah. No judgment. Yeah. But at some point we would like you to say, I was in Counting Crows and, you know, <laughs> just casually, casually. It doesn't have to be. Picture me with weird facial hair and a, and a bunch of. Picture me balls deep and two and... friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's, I, I know, I, I know what the Soul Asylum song is now. The Claire Danes one. It's the, she starts wondering what it's like to be just like anyone and like it. You know that song? Yes. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one where Claire Danes is in the video. God. Anyways. Took me that long to get to the other Soul Asylum song that I know. Worth it. So there you go. It was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it. Uh, but uh, it, Coda, final mo- mo- uh, note here. Um, Adam Duritz uh, seems to be doing like well, which is good. So like he seems like significantly happier and more emotionally stable than he had been in the past. So good. Uh, he talks a lot about his mental health struggles in that episode. So oh, I'm sure hanging out with fucking Johnny Depp and a bunch of cocaine. That'll do it. Great That'll do it. That. So anyways, remember the time that Johnny Depp killed River Phoenix? I okay. certainly do, John. <laughs> I fuck that. Guy. Honestly. Yes. For yep. many reasons now. Yep. 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 Good actor, though. Anyways, uh, this is, you know, it happens a lot. We'll be back shortly. Touch the porcelain seat.